All right, welcome back to another episode of the Farmland Hunter podcast. Um, this is a pretty big episode here today. We have a Pennsylvania State game warden here with us. Um, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure, I appreciate you having me. My name is uh, Andy Harvey. I'm the local state game warden here in Somerset County. So I uh, initially started my career over in Fayette County. Uh, I was there for about seven years, and then last year I transferred back to Somerset. So That's cool. Um, so just to get started off here, how did you uh, get started in like the um, game commission? Um, was it like a lifelong thing you wanted to do? or? Sure. So... I always wanted to get into law enforcement, um, didn't know exactly what aspect. It was either be a game warden or a state trooper. So uh, I graduated from Somerset, grew up in Somerset, went to the military after gra- uh, graduating from Somerset there, and uh, spent four years in Montana. Obviously got to do a lot of hunting and fishing and yeah. stuff out there. Came back, uh, went to Slippery Rock University, got a degree there. While I was going through uh, my senior year, I applied for state police and the game commission, uh, along with some other things, DCNR. Uh, but really want to be a game warden or a trooper. So it really came down to uh, I made it I said, obviously far in both uh, both of those. And it really came down to who was going to send me the letter saying, okay, this is your start date in the academy first. Yeah. I was hoping game commission it did. I was pretty fortunate having a choice between the two. Um, be quite honest, there's days where um, sometimes it would be nice to be a state trooper. Uh, but you know what? I'm I've, I've pretty fortunate to have a pretty awesome job. You get to do a lot of neat things. Yep, that's, that's cool. Um, so do you hunt a lot? I do. Yeah. So there's a misconception about just because you're a game warden doesn't mean you want to hunt. I've always heard about uh, if you're if you like to fish, you should be a game warden. If you like to hunt, be a fish warden. Um, I said I can appreciate them on the other side, but I, I like my job too much. I still I get to go out quite a bit. I do a ton of I did more spring gobbler hunting this year than uh, pretty much I ever have. And uh, I like the archery hunt. So I'm always out in the fall doing that gets to be a little bit tougher whenever we have academy classes going through so i'm a field training officer uh, meaning i usually get two cadets a year out to kind of show them the ropes it's part of their training um, so that that can weigh a little bit more uh, on it but i still still have no issue i typically get a buck every year with my bow and i said if i'm lucky a spring gobbler so you probably know where all the good spots are too hey my job is like, <laughs> i gotta get a gotta go scout while i work so there's nothing wrong with that yeah that yeah, yeah what are the requirements to be a game warden? They actually change them. So whenever I went through, it was just be 21 years old, two years of having a hunting license and have a driver's license. There wasn't really much in the way requirements. Uh, now they did add a level of college uh, credits in there. I'm not sure exactly what that is, maybe 60 college credits or um, some military time or being a deputy for us for a period of two years. So just to, because whenever I went through, there's probably... 2,500 to 3,000 applicants whenever I went through for a class of 30 game wardens. So it can be, it's extremely competitive, extremely yeah. tough to yeah, get that into. A, that's a big ratio. Um, but now, like I said, we're seeing that number being down a little bit, but they're looking maybe for, I guess, more qualified people by putting some of those restrictions uh, on there. Is there a need for game wardens in Pennsylvania? Absolutely. So uh, we have roughly like 120, I think, district officers throughout the state uh, that fields, which in hindsight, I said, looking at it from big pictures, not a lot of game wardens covering no. a large state. Um, but right now we currently have an academy class going through. Uh, they are going through the process of hiring the next class that would, so this class is going through now would graduate in February, 2023. 
They already have it set up for class to go in and probably March 2023, they'll go through and then graduate 2024. And now they're hiring right now for the class after that. So they look out a couple of years in advance just because it's a year long process to go through like for the hiring to figure out who they actually want. And then they cut back our academy whenever I went through is about 11 months. I think they're down to a little over nine months now for the academy itself. But wow. uh, yeah, it's if anybody's interested in doing that, uh, applications are open now. The best thing to do is go on the Game Commission's website. There's an employment tab there. They have a pretty decent video about uh, what I said, a little bit about being a game warden, but it tells you all the requirements and uh, everything you need to do. So it is civil service, um, just like a lot of other state jobs. So you do have to go to a civil service uh, site, take a written test, and then a oral exam. So, so does that... Um, do those college credits have to be in cons like conservation related or do they have just as long as you can be in credits? anything? Yep. It could be cool. in underwater basket weaving. Cool. So. Cool. You're just looking for some college experience. I wonder if land surveying counts. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. And so you said yours was 11 months and they've cut it down. to. They've nine. cut it back. They cut some, cut some things out, dealing with like the land management aspect of it. Okay. Um, we do have game wardens that are land managers, uh, What's that? So they oversee all the food and cover crews. So you look at all the game lands throughout the entire state. We have basically maintenance workers that handle all that. They're basically farmers. They go oh, out, okay. they do the planning, tilling, all that kind of stuff, along with the maintenance for general game lands, whether it be the shooting range, the roads, all that kind of stuff. So a game warden predominantly is always oversaw uh, all of that. They may be in charge of two or three of those crews in different counties. Oh, okay. So. Cool. That is cool. So what, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so what's your favorite part about the job? Um, honestly, I don't know. There's a lot of great, I, I mean, I love the law enforcement aspect of it. Like I said, I always want to be a law enforcement officer, but uh, dealing with the wildlife is is pretty cool. Probably one of my favorites. Like I said, I'm sitting there staring at it. I love, I love dealing <laughs> with bears. Okay, um, yeah. uh, being in Fayette County, being in Somerset, obviously I have a high bear population. Yep. Um, I do a ton of bear programs, so any chance I can – um, part of my job is to catch bears, um, just not necessarily nuisance bears, but just for purpose of collecting data from them. Um, we have to catch 23 a year in, in Somerset County. So basically what we do there is, uh, I set reach research traps out. Um, right now I'm trying to catch one over here on Gamelands 50. I had a collared female that got harvested last year so i have a brand new caller um there's only two of them in the entire region but it's actually a gps caller so i'll be able to look at my computer and see where that bear is which is pretty neat makes my life a lot easier whenever it comes denning time and i have to go find her um, normally it was holding an antenna up with a headset like this and i'd have to listen to a series of beeps and you'd have to be with an eyesight and then you'd try to track her down that way so you could have some long <laughs> days cool. you know what's funny about that you said about state game lands 50 having mm -hmm. a sow with a collar, um, I hunt a lot of ground on the other side of the road from State Game Lands 50. Okay. And I had a camera in there, and I had a uh, sow with a collar on it last year with two cubs. Yep, I, that was that probably would have been mine. She had, that's, she that's uh, really cool. <laughs> yeah, she had uh, she denned up two years ago. She had cubs. Something happened to the cubs. Um, she had, I believe, two there. Um, 
But Bears have Cubs every other year. Yeah. So the Cubs stay with, they go back in den with mom, come back out, they're with them till June, July time frame, whenever they're ready to be mated again. She kicks them away, they're yearlings at that point. But something happened to her Cubs because she ended up, I was expecting to go into her den and see her and the yearlings, she had Cubs again. So if something happens early enough on uh, with a bear, with the Cubs, uh, they can kick them back into heat and then be bred again. So Do the boars go after um, other females' Cubs? They can. So that way she can breed again? Yep, they Does absolutely can. Yeah, uh, Wildlife can be, um, I said, pretty distasteful. I mean, a lot of people don't yeah. like hearing that kind of stuff. It's true. I'm not going to say that um, it's happening around every corner, every bear is out there doing that. But <laughs> if, if the oppor- opportunity presents itself, they absolutely can because they know if they can kill the cubs and it can put that sow back into heat, she'll be ready to be bred again then. Wow. Yeah. I, I actually heard that dolphins do the same thing, and that's what made me think about the, the, bear. the bears yeah. and if they're having them every other year because i think a dolphin it takes like six years for them to raise until mm-hmm. they'll have another baby dolphin yeah i don't know too much about dolphins but yeah i, I heard <laughs> some stuff they can be uh i said they can do some they can do those trapped at uh the nice thing is like whenever i was a leader i'd get notified if one of my banded birds got shot so i know the first year i did it um i'd trapped a flock in like normalville area on a farm okay. and a 12 year old girl killed uh, her first turkey it was a long beard it was i think six miles away from where i trapped it at that's so, pretty cool yeah, yeah that is cool. That's, yeah, that's like pretty neat to hear when i shot this bear that you're saying about looking at behind like when we went into the check station like they have a whole process mm-hmm. like they i've heard before like when i shot it i put a stick in its mouth to keep it open because they like pull it is it the milk tooth yeah the milk yeah tooth, so. they, like when we were in there they, ever, they have like a whole process you know they pull it up grab the tooth out do all that it's kind of cool to see and then like you can go over to the map and put where you shot it and everything yep somerset's a it's a big deal in somerset yeah a lot of people come there they have the bleachers yep. set up so yep. they make a they make a trip of it we usually go over about uh at least once every year just to see like what the biggest one was yeah. and everything just see how many were killed yep absolutely yeah there's there's always some big ones around that's yeah for sure. yep especially the the southern my, my district the southern part of somerset tends to see the most killed yeah but um all of somerset in general is pretty good yeah i think the biggest one we ever killed like on any of the farms that we um farm i think it was like 450 pounds okay which is that's a pretty big bear i mean this one behind me is only 202 yeah but a sow but that's still like i said it, with sows though it can it can depend it all depends on on their genetics um it's not uncommon to see a, a 200 pound sow sometimes that, that's all the bigger they're gonna get oh really so, so that's that's cool yeah it's not like i mean they can get bigger we we had one um i grew up in freedance and uh we had one that was collared up there she was collared for years and years but she was well over 400 pounds she used to always come up on my parents deck she'd be looking <laughs> in the window at them that's crazy into bird feeders that's and stuff, scary but yeah, that, that's a rarity there. We don't see them that big. Um, the biggest one I ever dealt with was uh, 767 pounds. Holy smokes. That was actually the very first bear I ever handled out of our academy. So it was running around Uniontown. I get a call about it Holy. about midnight. And the problem is that that happens over there, but people start chasing it around. Cops will put on the red and blue lights, turn mm. on sirens, and then it goes up a tree and doesn't want to come down because everyone gathers at the bottom of it. So <laughs> that tree, if that bear climbed up in a little tree, <laughs> tilled I, over. I wouldn't be going after a seven pound bear. Seven high, yeah, seven tree. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I said, by far my, my most unique bear store. And it, it, I said, it was, one of those just very first one out of academy my head was spinning um actually got it was running and got stuck in between two houses because they were so tight together I me mean, was right yeah. in the city Jeez. so i had to go into this lady's house i took her screen out of her bedroom window i leaned out i was able to dart it there and it busted <laughs> out and then climbed the first tree available and went up about 30 feet and i tranquilized it again 
Um, then like I said, got woozy. Some ladies yelling at me, wanting me to catch it. And yeah, I'm gonna stand <laughs> up there. I put, you want me, I've been like, you want me to put my arms underneath? Go like, get yep. your bed sheet. We'll yeah, catch it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's a little sore, but it came down. Like I, said, I don't even have a bear trap, so I just have deer rack on the back of my truck. Uh, took me in about five troopers, a couple tries. We loaded up on that. And I put a bungee cord over it and just went just plates hope and it sirens wake out of town. Yep. That's that's funny. That is. Yeah, I can't even imagine like a 700 pound bear like. I think oh probably woke up and was like, "What just happened? Was that a dream?" <laughs> Absolutely. I see. The bears are the one thing. Like I archery hunt a good bit. I hate walking into my tree stand yeah. in the dark. Like I'm just like. Everything else doesn't bother me, but when I hear a big stick crack or something, I'm like, please, God, don't be there. Please, God, don't be Yeah. I don't know. Yep, absolutely. Like I said, around here, I mean, you talk to a ton of people that have that same experience. They may be walking in or out of their stand, and here comes a bear walking that's down the same I trail. I, I do, that's, I've seen bears when I'm hanging tree stands, and that's just like, that's way too much for me. Yep. I've said about it on the podcast before, but last year I was hanging my stand, and there was two people below me, and it was like, it's the beginning of September, and I look up, and there's this black thing moving through. It was like 50 yards from us. Mm-hmm. It stopped, looked at us, and watched us for a couple of seconds. And I was like halfway up the tree. We were talking the entire time, and then just kept walking. I'm like, oh man, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't good. But I got pictures of them under my stand and stuff, and then they ended up moving off. But yeah, it, it's I'm the same way. I'm always sure. like on edge walking in. Like uh they probably don't like they probably don't mess with you at all, right? No, they don't. A bear attack in Pennsylvania is extremely rare. Yeah. Usually if that occurs it's dealing with a south cubs, um, somebody getting in between them, something like that. Um, but it's normally you make yourself known out there bears coming towards you their eyesight's not very good. Mm. They depend on their nose, their hearing's okay. Um, so you make yourself known make noise usually they're gonna want to get out of yeah. there as quick as possible um they always teach you whenever you're younger if you get attacked by a bear you play dead that only pertains to grizzlies because grizzlies can't attack you just for the fun of it black bears if they're if they attack you it's for a reason so uh you fight back at all costs poke them in the eyes <laughs> throw rocks do whatever you have to don't don't fight fair but uh it's like i said it's it's very very rare yeah. um I think the last one, there was one a couple of years ago, but it was because a dog ran out. Um, the oh. bear grabbed the dog, and the lady went out and tried to grab the dog, and then the bear latched onto her. Um, but it was it was a South Cubs, which is normally what we see. A bear going after a dog is not all that uncommon. Most times it's just that surprise factor. Somebody lets the dog out back to go to the bathroom. There's a bear at the feeder and uh, gets in between her and the cubs. And I actually just saw a video of that. It was like they had like a side yard these people i don't know where it was and it had like a a fence and all of a sudden you saw the dog barking taking off and then this black bear running it down and the guy comes out of the house and like runs after the bear and starts yelling at it and like chases it off that wouldn't be me i'd be like like, screw the dog i'm standing in the house that's me (laughs) we can get a new dog yeah (laughs) yeah it's probably not the ideal situation but i said that that stuff can happen yeah just something to keep in mind, especially whenever people do have, like I said, food sources out, like at bird feeders. Mm-hmm. If you know you have bears in the area, so just take the extra precaution, put a light out there, make sure there's nothing there before you let the dog out. Funny story, my fir- the first time I ever saw a bear in the wild, I was um, taking my zero turn off the off the trailer, and I look up, and like our driveway is probably like from us to the trucks out there away. Okay. And I'm just sitting on the back, and all of a sudden there's like this black bear walking up my driveway and i like watch it and i'm looking and it walks like 20 yards from my house and i like start i was like hey 
And I, like, walk up to it, and I got probably, like, 10 yards from it. It was a young bear. Sure. And it just turned around and walked right down the woods, and then it just slowly walked up the road. And we never got pictures of him on camera or anything. Mm -hmm. It was just crazy. And then I I was going to let it go because my mom works from home, and she was on the back porch. (laughs) It was heading right right up through there. But we were worried because, like, we have farm animals and stuff, and we didn't know, like... If he'd get into the barn or sure. anything like that. Is that common? Like, how often do you have, um, whether it be coyotes or any predators, get into people's livestock? I mean, other than, like, you know, you have, like, raccoons and paw- possums getting into, like, chicken coops. Like, that stuff's, but, like, sure. messing with big livestock. Yeah, so, um, especially pertaining to bears, I mean, usually you get at least one call every year, um, I've had um, everything getting into like pet rabbits that are out. They can't obviously get into chicken coops and stuff like that. A lot of times there's a misidentification. People don't realize that, um, I said even rats and weasels and different things like that will go after chickens. Um, fishers tend to always get the blame no matter where you're at. Everybody yeah. blames everything on a fisher just because they know they can't eat chickens. But um, I, yeah, I have had uh, bears uh, go after goats. Um, said not so much like a full-size cow maybe a calf or something like that coyotes can um certainly uh especially the smaller livestock um but yeah part of our job is he said we get a call about that i'll go out and try to identify what killed it um if it was a bear i said we'll try to bring a trap out um i had interesting one with that that was i think two years ago over around the mount pleasant area these uh family had two pretty large goats as pets and a bear came in and got one of them and uh i was actually on the way up there and the wife went back to look at her dead goat and bear had come back that evening and she didn't know she walked up on it and bear started was back there she freaked out it just wasn't a good situation in general but (laughs) um yeah so but yeah i mean i've had people try claim they shot bears in self-defense and stuff like that so we get every once in a while call about that um what are the rules for that well, if if you legitimately feel that your your life is in danger, somebody else's life is in danger, you obviously have the right to protect yourself. So just saying the last one I had was not the case that um, it was a person in a trailer just had garbage everywhere, just food wrappers <laughs> and stuff. Um, they had a barbecue like a week prior. They didn't clean anything <laughs> up. So the bears, like they knew a bear was coming in, getting into the garbage. And uh, they saw it out there. He took a, a 22 out and just shot it in the head because he said it was charging at him. Well, so whenever that happens, we go out and do an investigation. I was able to pretty easy identify that's not what happened. He only, like I said, received a citation for illegally harvesting a bear, lost his hunting license for some time. But there has been cases where it has been legitimate. Um, tend to see a little bit more maybe with a sick bear, mange or something like that. Mm. Tend to be a little bit more aggressive because they're – gotta hang around looking for an easy food source something like that so i've had them try to try to get into a house or something like that so that's usually whenever that comes into play yeah what are the rules for protecting if there are any your livestock like if any animal comes in and like goes after your chickens or your livestock or anything like that yeah, so it's, I mean, per law, it, it, it's kind of tough uh, going down that road because it doesn't exactly outline, like we'll say you even have a, a dog out there. Technically, you're not allowed to shoot a bear that's attacking your dog. It's not a person. Now, um, I said, obviously, I didn't write the law, and I can appreciate that if I saw a bear attacking my dog, I wouldn't be real thrilled about seeing that. Right, right. So, I mean, you obviously, you, you do what you what you have to do there's some gray areas um, probably they don't write them out specific for every situation yeah so the, the nice thing about like i said being game warden i mean i i cover i said 
300 to 400 square miles um, on the officer of that area. So we have a lot of, of leniency to like from our supervisors to I can handle stuff how I see fit. Um, like I said, within reason. That's nice. Yeah. 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 Um, obviously. But yep. uh, I mean, there's there's occasions like that where um, like I said, you just have to sit back and actually look at what's actually going on, the intent and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not, like I said, it's really not often that I'd ever have like a farmer say, hey, I, I shot a bear because I saw it attacking my goat or something like that. Normally it's okay. We see signs of a bear. Maybe we'll bring a bear trap out. We're going to try to relocate that bear. A matter of hazing it or something like that. Um, If I had to haze one that I caught in Castleman earlier this year, caught it getting in beehives, um, released it over Fayette County, came back. I trapped it five days later, getting in beehives at Castleman again. So I took it over. How far is that apart? Um, that was, I mean, as a crow flies, it, it's not, it's not terribly far. I mean, it's, it's quite a few miles plus the Yawk river in between that it has to cross. Wow. But, um, the, the issue with bears is our capture and like relocation programs, not to solve everybody's problem. It's to give individuals an opportunity to correct whatever needs fixed. So oh, okay. if it's beehives, maybe it's put on an electric fence, different things like that. Um, we pretty much have to take a bear over a hundred square or a hundred miles away for it not to come back. Um, which just isn't feasible. How so. do they know? Like, okay, say they've never. Say you trap one right here, right here at our farm today. That bear. Say this bear's never been to um, New Baltimore. Okay, mm-hmm. you take it to New Baltimore, drop it off. How does it know to get back to here? Oh, they have a great sense of direction. Um, like I said I don't know what goes on inside their head. To like I said no, but they they have a fantastic sense of direction. I just like I've heard that before, like about like taking bears far away and they've yep. made their way back, and it just blows my mind. Like how like they're asleep when you take them, right? Like when you put them in the, are they asleep? Typically, yeah. So like, yeah, so, it's not like they release them and then they're gonna. Wake it's not up, like they're like, okay, we made three right turns, left turn. Like, <laughs> yeah. So how do they like? I, that just boggles my mind how yep. they can. Yeah, just like probably most wildlife, how they can get back to. I said you have birds that uh, I said even migrate that can come back to the true. same location. Yeah. They're traveling to different states and areas. Um, something I certainly can't explain, but uh, it it is impressive. Um, it is. We had. I remember there's an urban bear study where we put a uh, Penn State put a collar on a male bear up around Johnstown area. So normally we don't collar male bears, just uh, sows, but they are able to track this and you get a dot on a map for every day that it goes. So during the June, July time frame, which is our mating season, that bear went, came down towards Somerset, went across the turnpike, followed the turnpike all the way out to I-79, went all the way up to Slippery Rock area turn around came back down just north of pittsburgh and back across the turnpike to cambria county again over a two-month period jeez so that's covering a large distance obviously i would say that's um that's probably not the most common i mean certainly males will travel further than the females will especially in that time frame but that's covering a large distance especially yeah, to end back up at the same place yeah, where is. he started at so but, if you have a bear problem will the bear most likely move on or do they tend to stay in the area like typically how What's a, a black bear's range? Um, like I said, the range just, it's going to vary on, on food sources. So if you have an issue, we'll say it is 
bird feeders and garbage because that's 90% of the calls that I get regarding bears. Um, my job is not necessarily to try to fix their problem for people. I have to try to teach people how to live with the wildlife. So we live in Somerset here. We have bears. Yeah. If I remove one, that's not going to solve your problem. There nope. could be another one just moves in and does yep. the same thing. So typically whenever it comes to that, it's just the education portion of it. Taking in your bird feeders until it's gone, not putting garbage out until the morning goes. Um, you can use different... Uh, I said different things, ammonia and a water balloon with some peanut butter rubbed on the outside of it goes a long way. Barrel bite down on it, gets in their mouth, really <laughs> overwhelms their senses. Um, that's a very good deterrent. But Some smelling salts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But, uh, I mean, that that's really what it comes down to. For the ones where maybe they're causing property damage, crop damage, stuff like that, where we relocate them, I said we will try to take them. If I catch it in wherever uh, confluence, I'm probably going to take it over towards Wellersburg. I just try to take them far opposite side of my district or maybe even across county up north or something like that yep. just being reasonable but we have i mean we have some other things we have firecracker shells our shotguns um the one i was talking about the last one i caught in castleman i shot it in the rear end as i released it with some rubber buck shot so um just helped uh, for it to relate hey got caught here twice now I got pain last time. So, cause I mean, the second time I'm able to read the ear tags, I put it from the first time. No, it's the same bear. That's how I knew and how I took it over there. So yeah, that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. yeah I didn't realize that the, the bear travel that much. I mean, I know they, they move a lot, but that that's a long, that's a long ways. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, a lot of it depends. Bears have two things on their mind, uh, for <laughs> 10 months out of the year, it's food for the most part. And then two months it's, it's mating. So, do boars hibernate? They do. Um, it, it all depends on on the year itself. Um, so it's not like a true hibernation where people think they see a cartoon, a bear walks into a cave right before wintertime, goes to sleep, <laughs> comes back out in the spring, does a big stretch, and continues on. It's yeah. not really like that. Um, they're, they're awake in the dens. Like whenever we go into a den, um, the sow's usually sitting there looking at us, um, <laughs> which can be a little unnerving because you're getting up close and personal with How them. How close do you get down in with them? Uh, usually, I will say, I'm not the one that's crawling in the hole. Uh, <laughs> Is that the legislator? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the low man on the totem pole. We make do that. I mean, I've legitimately, I've held people by the legs that, like I said, lower <laughs> them in there. Um, because a bear will, they will uh, hibernate in all kinds of crazy places. Probably the most typical we find is just a like a fallen down tree or something like that uh, they may dig out just a small hole just get a little bit of cover females gonna look for a lot more cover than a male because they either have yearlings or especially cubs to try to protect but a male um even if they do like if they hibernate it could just be a they may just lay down in the middle of the woods complete 360 view around them we call it a like a bird's nest they may just pull some stuff in and just if you come across you see what looks like a big bird's nest just laying on the floor of the the woods i said that could be very well what it is the other day i was checking cameras and i saw like it was like a, a pine area and there was big piles of pine cones and pine needles like mm -hmm. like everything was cleaned up off the floor into these piles do you know what that would be um not so much i think i see them before it could be porcupine i wouldn't i wouldn't think a bear would have yeah, much to do with that yeah um i know porcupines can can do some stuff like that um usually the easiest thing is to try to look for some scat around if, if yeah. something's like that but uh yeah not, i can't tell you exactly what that would be hmm. that's cool so kind of switching gears here mm -hmm. um 
you said about bears like being sick and stuff with like mange and everything um kind of made me think of, like cwd I, that's a big topic like right now in the state like um what have you seen with it like so far in somerset county wise sure um that's obviously a very big issue right here so people around somerset have been hearing about this for years um like i said it affects everybody so in terms of actually having positives, we have had a couple in Somerset. Um, our numbers have been very low, which is obviously a good thing. Yeah. I would account some of that. I mean, that was a, um, I mean, we held, held town hall meetings about that we kind went, of stuff. We went to one just to see like what it was about. Yeah. Did you go up the, was it was in one Berlin? Yeah. At the borough building. Yep. yep. I was up there for okay. that one. Yep. And, uh, like I said, people take, take things differently. It, it can be a burden on some people. Um, I, I hunt, I have a cabin out on Whitehorse mountain. That's where I do pretty much 99% of my hunting at. And, uh, if I shoot a deer out there, I can't bring it back to my house because I live half a mile on the West side of 219. So it's just something like I said, we have to have to kind of work around and deal with. And I think most people we've, we've gone through it enough now where we have plans in place. People know what processors they can take them to where they yeah. can come up without bringing those high risk parts back. But um, I count all that to, I said, one reason we haven't seen a high number of, I said, prevalency is still low in Somerset County. So Bedford is obviously one of the, the bigger areas. Yep. Um, we, I know we had, I think, two positives in Allegheny Township, which is out there around that new Baltimore area over the years. I think one was last year. But um, I said, actually getting out this side, we haven't had any. So normally what they do is if a new positive comes up, um, they do a five mile radius around it and then they look for major roadways. So if that radius goes outside of a current DMA, then we have to extend the DMA. Hmm. So the next, I mean, we use major roadways just so people can understand it's people don't know township line or anything like that. So we use 219 route 30. Um, so really, I mean, at, at this point, if, if it had to move further West, I don't even know where it would go. It'd probably have to go over a good, a pretty good chunk just so people know what are the the boundaries now um right now it is so inside dma2 we'll use 219 so starting down the maryland line everything coming up coming up 219 everything on the east side is considered inside dma2 uh on the outside which i said to the left or the west is is you're free and clear there so it goes all the way up to route 30 and uh like i said outside jenner's down there and then from Route 30 goes over towards um, Ligonier, everything north of Route 30 is in a DMA as well. So pretty much the northern part of the county and the whole eastern side of the county is inside DMA too. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I knew that before, but just for like people that like don't I know I don't exactly. think a lot of people actually know the their boundaries sure yeah. um i think people are getting a, a hang of it a lot yes. more i'm seeing less because it's a violation if you bring any high-risk parts out which is yeah. going to include your head spine lymph nodes stuff like that you bring it inside dma to outside dma that's a, that's a violation that we do yeah. take pretty serious um it applies for out of state too so you go down to maryland you get into west virginia to hunt and you bring a deer up back into Pennsylvania from one of those uh, states, you're going to, I said, be facing a violation there as well. So they do, I mean, I get that's one thing, uh, said guidance wise, I mean, they do take pretty serious because uh, we've seen in other states how the prevalency of CWD amongst the population is really high. And pardon me, we're still pretty fortunate that it's, it's pretty low for pennsylvania especially in dma2 on on our side of it here what's the process when you harvest a deer in the dma so you can do um 
like I said, whatever you want with it, you don't necessarily, you don't have to get tested or anything like that. So just like any other deer harvest, obviously you tag it, you report it. Um, if you want to bring it outside DMA, it either has to be to an approved processor that's outside the DMA through the game commission. Or like what I do is I, I just butcher it at my cabin. So I've made a pole, I hang it. I said, I'll go, I'll quarter it up. I'll dispose of high risk parts. And then maybe I'll go, I'll stick the quarters in a, I said the beer fridge and go back in a couple of days and cut it up. Okay. Um, everybody's, I said, everybody's gonna be a little bit different on, on how they do that. Um, like I said, a lot of people may not want to deal with the hassle. So I would like just taking it to a processor. What are the processors in Somerset County that you can take your deer to? Um, well, said any any of them inside the DMA, uh, outside the DMA. I'm trying to think. Thomas's is a big one, um, yep, which they they'd still be in. Um, I guess up in Johnstown, but uh, honestly, without going through the yeah. list uh, yeah. because it, it changes every single year. Um, people can go on to the uh, website and look up approved taxidermists and uh, like I said butcher shops. Oh, okay, cool. So, Cool. Yeah. I think like there's like a lot of people haven't heard about like everything about the rules and regulations yeah, about yeah. it. I mean, um, I definitely I think I think the first time I really heard about CWD was like I don't know that's probably four years ago now. Mm-hmm. But I sure. think that they had the meeting in there at the borough building. I think it was like four years ago. Time flies, but there's a lot of people in there. I feel like having meetings like that it helps with like people getting to know things. Absolutely. And like getting some information out there. And I feel like the that's like a good thing on the uh, game commission's part is like get out there and talk to people. Yeah, that's like a big thing. Like, um, like I was talking about like the doe tags. Like you can get like what uh, six doe tags. Like if you apply for each one. Yes. And like, um, like around here, there's if you see, I, we see a lot of deer, but like there's not a whole lot of does around here. And like, um, and then other areas of Somerset County, you have deer. You can look out in the field. There's like 60, 70 deer. It's like, holy smokes. And it's kind of like, well, if that guy, if our neighbor can buy six tagging shoots, all six dead, then there's like hardly any left. And it's just kind of like, um, like maybe if like they go around and talk to people, like see if they change, like, um, how many tags they, um, elect to like give out and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, with the doe license there, I said a little off topic there, but they're actually, there's a, a house in the um, in Harrisburg right now, a bill that's proposed to change the way they do do license. So instead of sending in pink envelopes, like they want to try to get to where you can just go and buy your hunting license, get a doe license that way. A lot easier. People don't need to worry about sending checks and pink envelopes and getting stuff back. But in terms of, like I said, the allocation, yeah, you can get six, six doe license a year in, in PA. Uh, if you harvest, uh, say you harvest two doe, okay. you report them. That means you're eligible to go get two more doe tags. You can hold up to six, but those are going to be in, obviously in areas that still have doe tags available. So it could be 2B, which is around Allegheny County. They typically always have doe tags if you have a place to hunt there. But people, I mean, it's almost an unlimited number. Whenever they advertised that, people thought, oh, my God, I'm people are going to go out and get a hundred doe tags. So it's not like that. You can only maintain six, but yeah. if you harvest one, report it, you get, you're eligible to go get another doe tag if they're available. And honestly, from my experience, I mean, I checked a ton of people last year because last year was the first year that, that came about having yep. that many. Um, I remember driving past the, um, the, the courthouse there and uh, the, the line was out the door for the first 
three hours that they were selling doe tags over the counter. Everybody's going in. I, I went in to buy my hunting license that afternoon. I think I got, I said my regular hunting license and one doe license, but I, I knew the treasure and I'm talking with her and, and uh, she said, yeah, pretty much everybody's getting six doe license. And a lot of people I checked had six, but I can tell you majority of them, they're lucky they shot one or two. Um, it's just human nature. People want all that they can get. Yeah. If they, they're, you tell them they can get six doe tags, they're going to get six doe tags. I think there's very few people out there that actually go fill, through and, yeah. and fill them all. Um, so that's, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's a tough subject. It always yeah. has been. Yeah. Um, like, and I mean, in your opinion, like, do you think that um, our area with the deer numbers, do you think giving out that many tags is good for the deer population in our area? So, you think it, well, like, what's, what's the game commission's plan? for cwd i think that would probably shine yeah. some light on it like yeah. what from the game commission's point of view how are they looking to handle cwd um are they trying to prevent it are they trying to stop it or what's what's the game plan there so i think the main thing is try to better understand cwd so it's not even just a pennsylvania thing it's across the whole country right yeah There's yeah university's yeah. looking into this how it's spread all this kind of stuff. So I think we can accept the fact that we are not going to eliminate CWD. Yeah. Like it, it's here. Right. The, our, our goal is to keep the prevalence of it down. So whenever I say prevalence, we're talking about the number of deer, we'll say per hundred that actually have CWD. So states that have done nothing with it, um, they may see prevalences of up to 40, 50, 60%. So imagine 40, 50, 60% of your deer population all having CWD. CWD. Ideally, we want to keep that down, that number as low as possible. If you can keep it single digits, that's that's not doing too bad. And that's why all these regulations about the feeding inside DMAs, yep. all that stuff, because we do know it can be passed on through saliva. So you put a salt block out there and have every deer in a two-mile radius come and lick that, you're just asking for it to be easily more easily spread. spread between them. Now we constantly get the question of, okay, well, I have a food plot. How's that any different? Well, that's natural. Or like thing. a Just mock like scrape a because mock food. scrapes Absolutely. are also natural. Yes. And which like I said, you can't use actual deer urine yeah, anymore in, yeah. in those DMAs. But um, like I said, they, they'll go up and use the same licking branches. Like that stuff's naturally going to happen and right. you can't stop a deer from being a deer. Yeah. We can only, try to help from from our end of it yeah right and the but, human presence yeah that's that's the biggest thing is is not eliminating it but we're just trying to slow the spread of it i mean if obviously if we can contain it that'd be fantastic right so does um like helping like with like say you give out these tags like helping keeping the deer numbers not like down but like smaller or um shooting more deer does that help like with like keeping the presence down of it yeah so i think i think what the the plan there is is actually to keep the the population in these dmas a little bit lower um that helps slow down the spread um so what people don't see is all these like roadkill deers and stuff, stuff like that they're the deer are getting picked up by contractors they take them to the game lands 50 building they take their head off and we have biologists in there testing all of them yeah, so question about that. <clears throat> I had does a um officer come out to dispatch an animal or does someone else come out to dispatch the animal? A game warden will come out to dispatch okay. an animal. So by law there's only certain certain people that can dispatch an injured animal. A regular citizen just can't go out even though I can appreciate you can identify a deer's been hit right. that has two broken legs. Um it can only be a game warden, a deputy game warden, a police officer, or a veterinarian. 
Um, the reason for that is we would just see every time there's a poaching incident, I catch somebody that shoots one night or in the back of a truck. Oh, it was injured. And it, the, the sad truth of it is, I mean, that's, that's really why we have to do that. But, um, it's, it's one of those, like I said, it happens. I appreciate a hunter out there. Um, I've had numerous calls where maybe they dispatch an animal, they call me, I can identify what's going on there. And like I said, it's not, not that big of a deal, but a lot of it's a safety concern too. We'll make sure it's done in a safe manner. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we don't want to see anything suffer. We yeah, don't want you, a deer yeah. laying there for four hours yeah. on the side of the road. Well, the reason why I was asking is because I had called in, I don't know, when was that? That was probably two months ago. Yeah, two months ago, out on um, 160, there was a doe that had been, um, that had been hit and she'd been recently hit because she was out in the field probably 60 yards and she would get up and try to run from cars she just falls straight down okay so i called in and i did not see the deer it was at nine o'clock at night it was um i was just getting home and then she was still there at 10 o'clock then 9 30 the next day and then she was finally gone so i didn't know like how long like what the procedure was for like when animals are supposed to be dispatched or if um I just assumed, like, call the game commission, let them deal with it, because I didn't want sure. to go out. And so that's what I was just trying to get more information out about that, too, because I think you said about safety reasons, too. Like, you can't have someone out there with their 30 odd six on the side of the road putting a deer down. Yeah, you especially, know, like, <laughs> especially at night, not knowing if yeah. houses and stuff around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen some crazy stuff. But yeah, I mean, how that works, I mean, a little bit about our job is there is. In Somerset County, you're supposed to be three full-time officers. Right now, we currently have two. And for two weeks, like I said, I'm covering it by myself. So in wow. Somerset County, we also have four part-time deputies. So deputies are just people that have other jobs. They do it. Like I said, they help okay. out whenever they can. Hmm. But for the most part in that situation, so a lot of times, we'll say 9 o'clock at night on whenever Monday, most of us are probably off-duty. Um, so we'll say that happened in my district. We'll say it happened in Myersdale. Uh, they would, you'd call in, they'd do what's called give me a call out. So they would say, hey, Andy, we have an injured deer on 219 or you'll take care of it. If I'm home and able to take care of it, I'll throw on a uniform, go down there and, and take care of that. That's injured animals. That could be a violation in progress, different things like that we get called out for all the time. Maybe I'm not around. Um, I said out of the area. So they'll try to get a hold of another officer, maybe I Brian Witherite in the central district, or uh, it was Ned Kimmel up in the northern district. They're going to give one of them a call, see if somebody can go down to handle it, or next closest on duty officer. So I've driven across two counties to go handle wow. incidents. Uh, but like I said, at the end of the day, I mean, we just ask people. It, so I, we understand every time somebody calls in that that issue is the biggest thing on their mind. Yeah. That's what's going on. But we <laughs> yeah. have to understand, I mean, there's like I talk about a full, yeah. a full compliment. There may be 120 officers in the state. And a lot of times, I mean, we're just, we're not fully staffed. So there's a point in time where I was coming from New Florence, which is up above Ligonier, all the way down to Uniontown. For me to drive from one side wow. to the other is two hours. Jeez. I don't have any deputies. So, I mean, we try to handle those as quick as possible. And you know what? Sometimes uh, it may be reaching out to the state police or something like that. Like, hey, I can't get there. Right. Can you go out and take care of this, which they, they've done for me for numerous times. Um, but like I said, at the end of the day, we don't want to see anything suffer like that. Right. We try to get to them as right. quick as possible. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, just we ask people to understand I me. Mean, we are a little short-staffed, and it's not like a, it's not like a regular police force where, like I said, Somerset may have 30 troopers. Um, yeah. We have 
three officers for the entire county. And whenever something happens in our district, it's it's up to us to take care of it, whether on duty, off duty. So, are you guys looking for deputies? Is that something that if a citizen would like to do, that they could reach out? How would they? Absolutely. So uh, I'll revert back to our uh, website again. There's some great information on there. I have uh, I have one deputy applicant uh, going through the process right now. They're looking to be a full time game warden. So since they started with the college credits, deputy time or military time, so maybe somebody doesn't want to go to the military. Maybe somebody dropped out of college, doesn't have enough credits, just doesn't want to go to college. They can elect to do the deputy process. Um, so a little bit about that. That's a pretty much a volunteer basis. You're you can't do that for a living. Um, you get a stipend for a day. So if you work eight hours. Um, usually it's about $10 an hour. I get a budget and I said, it's not ideal by any means. Most people we get, we are getting some, some younger individuals doing it. Um, a lot of times it's people that are are maybe older, they're maybe retired from a different job or, uh, they're just looking for something to do on the, on the side. And it gets them involved in a lot more. They get to do a lot of the fun, fun stuff. Yeah. I get stuck doing paperwork and they're out there <laughs> handling violations and different things like that. But it's, it's a great opportunity, especially if, if you're looking to get your foot in the door with gain commission, even if you want to figure out if you want to do this full time yeah. before you fully jump into it. So, yeah. And I think that's a good opportunity. I mean, obviously the game commission gets a lot of criticism and I think, the, a lot of the problems come from being understaffed, and I think that gives a, an opportunity for people to say, okay, well, if it's really a problem, then you can go and, and volunteer your time to help. I think if we'd all give a little more time yeah, it'd be, to, everybody be better to off. the conservation, and I think that would sure benefit. Yeah. Talking about lot. conservation, um, I did like a questionnaire for like people that follow us and stuff on Instagram uh, to like ask you questions like through us, okay. um, and one of them was about like the um, rough grouse population in Pennsylvania. Um, we talked about it a couple times on this podcast before with other guys. They say they can remember like when they were younger in the woods um, hearing like a rough grouse in the morning or during the day and how they got to see so many. And like now I don't, I've never seen a rough grouse in the wild. Like I, and I'm in the woods yeah, like every day. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it's no, um, there's no covering that. I mean, the, the grouse population has declined greatly over the past 10, 15 years for sure. Um, a lot of that has to do with habitat. Okay. Um, certain diseases gone through really affected grouse. Um, some of the lower levels. I just actually saw one of our game lands down Myersdale last week. I pulled up and it's just sitting there on a log. But it's one of those where, just like you said, people used to. I mean, I hunted White Horse Mountain. I remember just about every morning walking in my stand in the dark and one of them scaring the crap out of you because <laughs> you almost step on it and they take off. Yeah. And, you have to sit there and catch your breath again before you continue on. <laughs> yeah. um, but the the sad truth of it is, I mean, those days, I'm not saying are completely gone. It's just it's not the same. Yeah. So we have a rough grouse uh, biologist that looks into a lot of that stuff. Um, they have reached out to some property owners in areas where so diseases haven't necessarily taken effect like, like they have in other areas where we looked at trying to do habitat improvement, different things like that, where Game Commission is working with private landowners to yeah. try to benefit grouse, to bring them back in these certain locations. And um, I mean, I know there are still spots where there are some grouse around. Um, Game Lands 51 over in Collinsville um, has a Casparis mine area. I used to go up there and could pretty regularly see grouse, which was great. But um, 
like I said, it's it's one of those just going to be a work in progress for for quite a while. A long unfortunately, time. is um, West Nile disease? Is that the yep. disease that really that's, affects? That's it? one that definitely definitely affected them. Um, so talking about like diseases and stuff, is there like so obviously universities and stuff play a huge part in trying to figure out stuff. Um, like, is there any way to figure out like through DNA testing and that kind of stuff to figure out something that can be put into a um, a bird in the captive that whenever it's out in the wild and breeds and stuff, is there any like thing going on, like research that way? Like you could release one, they breed, they're resistant to West Nile. They go out into the wild. They start breeding with whatever wild population is still left out there. Is there sure. anything? Um, I, I don't know if they're, I said, if they're on the edge of figuring that out or not, I guarantee it's somebody's definitely looking at that because um, they're always, I mean, there's Penn State's a big one. You have all these universities, University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these get actively involved in all kinds of wildlife issues. So we're at CWD, West Nile. So I can honestly say from my end of it, just as a district game warden, I don't necessarily hear about all the updates with that. Yeah. Or that's one job. I mean, the game commission, a lot of people obviously always think of game wardens whenever you think of, of the game commission. There are a ton of other people. Like hierarchies up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have biologists talked about the food and cover crew, yep. um, all those people, but that would be something our biologists would be working with them on. So not change the subject, but just remind me, I just took, uh, some barn owls actually just up the road here last week that were on a drag line. So they nested on there. And then yesterday we had them in a silo, relocate them, I put up a box, put them there, but we're taking DNA samples for them. She's submitting that to a university that they're doing a study Something about barn owls. I have no idea what yeah, it is. Yeah. But yeah. like I said, every once in a while we get told to do that. I may have to take a, a blood sample from a bear or something like that. But I'm, I guarantee at the rough grouse, they always look at, I said, is there something like that where it can be almost bred out of them or they're immune to it? Yeah. Or, mm. I mean, they've done stuff where we dropped pellets from aircraft before for rabies uh, vectors and stuff like that to try to curb rabies. Mm. Um, that tends to be more around the Pittsburgh area. Okay. Um, they'll usually send out notices and different things like that. But Drop pellets. that's actually not usually through the game commission itself. Like we're part of that, but a lot of times it could be USDA yeah. or feds or something like mm-hmm. that. So well, that's, that's nice. So I, I, the one guy, he, uh, he works for us and he was, he's a big, like uh, small game hunter and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, he was asking about that. And uh, another one of those questions is about the Sunday hunting, which I wanted to bring up as well, which is a huge topic nowadays. Um, We have three Sundays right now. And I didn't know like um, what you've heard. Obviously, like you said, like a lot of legislation and stuff has to be done to go into there. But I didn't know if um, what you've heard about, like maybe like if they're going to keep this three Sundays, add a couple more what they're going to do about it. Like, cause I know like right now, like right now the deer and bear hunters get the three Sundays. I didn't know if like Turkey hunters in the spring, like get Sundays, or, like sure. small game hunters and stuff. I didn't know if you've heard anything about the whole Sunday thing. Yeah. So I, I always hear from every, everybody has passion as like yeah. I said about maybe an individual thing with hunting. They always want the extra day for them. Um, so what it comes down to is the game commission full, fully supports Sunday hunting. Uh, we had to have a bill passed to say, to allow us to make three Sundays open to hunting. Um, and that's where it currently stands right now. So the last bill that was presented and passed says, okay, the game commission can set three days. I don't see them changing those three days from the archery, uh, then the bear, and then the 
the rifle deer season, yeah, yep. uh, most likely. But I know they're certainly pushing to expand that, um, but that has to be through legislation. So yep. it has to go through the um, the House and the Senate. See, in my opinion, it should be up to the state game wardens and like you guys. Like you guys have to go through the whole process to get it through legislation and have people that might not even hunt vote on it and stuff which is i mean you have to have from both sides that's always good you can't have one-sided things but you guys deal with it every day and like yeah. i feel like the game warden should have full control i'm in i'm in support of the sunday hunting i i have nothing against it um i know a lot of people have like the religious factor which that's fine um but you don't have to hunt on sunday if you don't want to that's that's the thing um but i have no problem with it at all sure. how far out um if at all do you think sunday hunting um, like other states are in effect here. I don't think they're. You, you talk about like the way Pennsylvania looks at <clears throat> other states. No, no, no. Like, um, like Maryland, you can hunt an archery season every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you can. It's just part of like, um, like Sunday hunting is just normal. When is at any point will there be like, and every Sunday in archery season you can hunt. Well, like I said, if if a bill gets passed, so th- that's the issue. It's not it's not the game, and that's where people tend to get mixed up. At. I, I heard that I could, a yeah, million times. So I go sit at the fair, and everyone's coming up like, "When are you gonna let us <laughs> on Sundays?" And I mean, like I said, we tell them like we we actually we legitimately support it. Yeah. Um, but that that's the issue. So if you look at Pennsylvania, even bigger picture. So the issue of can't go buy a car on Sundays, you can't go buy liquor on Sundays all that kind of stuff. It's the same general laws that all came into play at that, that certain time. So I think, I honestly think for the most part, people are for Sunday hunting. I'd say the biggest issue that I, the biggest complaint I get is actually the moving the rifle opener to Saturday. And that's, that goes back to it's typically, uh, I mean, the reason we did is just providing more opportunity. Never, never would have thought you'd hear so much complaints about giving people an extra, actually two days to hunt in a rifle season. And it's because of the, it was like a big tradition. That's what I've always heard. I have no, I have no problem with it at all. I, that's the big thing. Like, oh, it was always like Sunday night at deer camp and then Monday morning, you know, that's how it always, that's what you probably hear it a lot. That that used, that used to be me. I mean, I I grew up right over the hill. I'd go out, um, we go out to the cab on friday night and spend saturday out there sunday out there and then monday would be your opener um and like i told them uh, even even my dad he he yells at me all the time he wants it back to back to monday <laughs> yeah. but i told him uh, i said you know what you can you guys can continue as business as normal and have monday be your opener. yeah exactly um, nobody's stopping you from yeah. doing, doing that and that's actually that's that's what they elected to do so hmm. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of different opinions. I know up north it deals with some of the stores and stuff like that, saying there's a decline in their business because you'd have hunters coming in. And now because it's backed up against uh, Thanksgiving, maybe people don't want to go to camp because they have to leave Friday instead of – so there's – I mean – Anything the game commission ever does, you no, know, there's there's always gonna be at least two sides to it. So even the deer population, we can go out here right now and talk to farmers in the area that are that will come up and tell me there's way too many deer, they're eating all my crops, but then every hunter wants deer around every tree. So I mean, our job is to try to find that that median. Yeah, that's of, kind. Of, I look at it from both sides because I mean, we have a farm yeah. obviously, and like I can remember when I was younger going around and seeing a lot of deer in the fields a lot of deer before they put 219 in there was really big fields up there um that we had mm-hmm. and there was deer in there every night you'd see like 100 and some deer across that like i don't know it's like 100 acres yeah and it was crazy and there was a lot of deer damage back then too um the back of fields would be totally eight gone but absolutely and now like right now i'm looking at it from the hunting standpoint too like 
I don't I don't want to see like deer behind every tree. Like, I'm not saying that'd be bad for our crops, but um, I do see there is like a less number than there is then. Um, Have you noticed that? Yeah, I think I think the. I mean, it's pretty much a general knowledge that the population itself is down. I think we're seeing better quality deer, though. The size, I, I the size of your deer yeah. better, yeah. not just in body size, but obviously the antlers. So, is that education or is that management of the herd? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with management. Um, like I said, you, because especially whenever it, they go years back, talk about antler restrictions and then talking about more of a, a better ratio of buck to doe. A lot of people just they can't grab they couldn't get behind that they think okay the more does there are that means there'll be bred more more deer more deer is better um and then you have deer i said going after the same food but i think like i said over the past i mean quite a few years it's i mean just deer in general that the herd is certainly healthier bigger deer better quality deer than 20 years ago i mean i walk through my cabin and you see spikes and four points and six points and you know what there's absolutely nothing wrong with them they were all happy as could be to shoot them. But I said, now it's nothing to, I said, I mean, you can hold out. And a lot of times if you put your time in, do a little bit of homework, a little bit of scouting, I mean, you're going to normally get a, a crack at a decent sized deer. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I can't complain about that. I, I can agree with that. Um, uh, I've shot a, I shot a 130 inch eight point last year for, um, with my bow for the first time and there's a lot bigger deer than that too mm-hmm. and i i mean i like to hold out for bigger deer and uh, you can definitely tell that that management side of it does help a little bit yeah we uh sean Barron picked up a deer that was killed on rockdale road a few years ago okay yeah by the vehicle um i said it it scored i think around 185 wow and, <laughs> i remember how i said there was like a one oh I, yeah i i yep. said around 190 which that's pretty close i Who's guess living it was well it, so uh we we actually use it it's, it's not mounted oh, yeah. or anything we take it to uh we take it to a lot of the fairs that's the Jubilee, cool i like, like that I've, somebody was crying that day oh there yeah. was a ton of people that were people were calling in they wanted to buy it and stuff like that <laughs> well that's they like were, that one in berlin that was hit last year by the dairy bar yeah i was uh, we were trying to track that person down whoever took that one yeah i had no idea well i said it, it people can obtain stuff like that legally um they can pay per point for for antlers oh, just okay. like you can go, um, ma- yeah, maybe say say a black bear sit on the road. You can Somebody can actually buy that. Hmm. Um, they get permit through us to legally obtain that. I didn't know that. I knew you could, like, um, like if you shot something, like, say, like, the, is it, like, shed, I, I shed hunt, like, I look for antlers, um, like a deadhead. I know you're not allowed to take and stuff. Like, could you buy them, too? Like Correct. You can- yep. I've had people, had people do that. Um, maybe it's a deer they find dead that they had on trail camera they're going after they just yep. are attached to it yeah like i said eight point it'd be 80 bucks and it's not uh people say they just need to make their money we make very minimal money off of selling that kind of stuff it's just it's the purpose of paperwork and making sure things are done legally, legally. because you can have the problem is i can't put past people to do things to try to skirt the law whether it be shoot something let it rot and decay and then call us and say, well, it's a deadhead. And I just, I, I found I'm going to go pick it up and take it. Just obviously it's a form of poaching. And I said, that's honestly what the laws come down to is it, it, a few bad people ruin it for everybody else. So yeah. there are states where you can pick up deadheads, but yeah. obviously sheds you can pick up. They're naturally dropped. There's yeah. no issues with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I knew that. I, I knew you weren't allowed to take deadheads, but I, like I have a shed right there. That was like one of my biggest ones. Um, 
but yeah, I knew that whole thing. I didn't know if like you had to buy the, if you were allowed to buy those as well. Yep. Yeah. You get a receipt that we tell you to hold on to. I've had, I mean, pretty much what you can't buy, can't buy, um, less certain circumstances, but like birds of prey, eagles, stuff like that. But I've had people buy fox, fawns, deer, bear, hmm. you name it. Hmm. I've never thought about it like that, I guess. Um, Have you seen an increase of deer being hit by vehicles? Uh, I wouldn't say an increase. I actually deal with it less now than what I used to, and it mainly because of the DMA. So oh, okay. we have, have game wardens predominantly have always picked up a roadkill deer on any non-state maintained road. So carry deer rack. I may have two or three deer a day that I have to go pick up that were hit by vehicles, somebody's yard along the road. Now with, I said, especially half my district being in a DMA two, those all go to contractors. So I don't get that volume. I don't, I honestly don't have to pick up very many deer at all, which is, which I'm thrilled about. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> not, not the highlight of my day by any means. Especially when it's 90 degrees out. Oh, we deal oh some, yeah, their bellies Deal some nasty big. ones. Yeah. I, I just had, uh, there's a bear that died that was floating in the Yawk Lake um, last weekend, last weekend, like over the weekend. It was probably a 350-pound bear, but it was completely bloated. I had to pull it out, try to figure out how it died, and it just it stunk to high hell. So uh, you know, yeah. deal with that kind of stuff. But, the highs and the lows of the jobs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, I wouldn't like that. No. But yeah. in, t- in terms of deer, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've seen an increase. I, I, but okay. you drive around, you see you see a lot of dead ones. There's there's no doubt about that. So because I know some people say that that's a that's one of the theories to why there's less deer now because of the highways that are in that maybe more deer are getting hit by vehicles. And- sure. No, that's I mean that's a good theory. Obviously, you keep on putting more and more roads through. You're putting more and more chances out there. Right. Especially. Um, like down here at 219 since they finished that it goes all the way through Myersdale um I had a bear somebody videoed it running down 219 and the bridge that I said goes over the road right by the high school bear I said jumped off and went right down in between landed on the road now I believe it survived I had to go check that out but that's just another one where bears looks under guardrail doesn't really like to go over it waits for something solid which unfortunately is a bridge but people I mean that I had to yell at them. They're kind of, it's a neat video. Obviously they get to see a bear and a lot of people get to see that, but they're kind of driving right behind it. Well, that's just panicking the bear. Yeah, right. pushing it further. Yeah. It jumped yeah. off the bridge. So that's obviously not an ideal situation, but we've had deer jump off of bridges. Um, yeah. Like I, I think 219, like when they first put that really big bridge in, yeah, there's five or six that went off. Yeah. Like ran straight off of it at the same time. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. They're, they're not bright enough to look to see where they're going. They can outsmart me, but then they jump off a bridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen videos of them like jumping jumping out of parking garages and oh, yeah. stuff running through like glass windows like in that hair uh-huh. salon that video yeah, yeah. it's amazing yeah. they can they can get hit by a vehicle going 30 miles an hour but you make any little bit of noise in your tree stand and they're they're long gone so. yeah yeah they're, i'll go to somebody's house and they'll have like deer walk through their backyard and they're so used to them seeing them at their house like the deer just walk by and i'll see a deer like 500 yards away and like i'll pull my car out of the driveway or something they're like gone i'm like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah but so like another question like i've had from like the i don't know the hunting side of it like with 219 right here um it separates like us 
from like the other side of the DMA? Do you hear a lot about like, oh, well, they can do the stuff on that side of the 219, but I can't do the stuff on this side of 219? Like, you ever hear a lot about that? Uh, not so much. I mean, I think maybe whenever the whole CWD regulations was first introduced, it was a new thing. Um, I'm sure there's there's a little bit of heartache over over that. Now I, I didn't cover the area whenever that oh, took okay. place. I Alrighty. was over in Fayette, but even there, I mean, like, like I told you, I had to deal with that cabin on one side and house on the other. So I mean, I had to come up with something to figure out. Okay, I obviously I can't break the law. I can't take it yeah. across <laughs> the DMA. That one that one looked too good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but like I said, I really I think people around here they they adjusted really well to it. They. In the long run, they understand the purpose of it. It may be an inconvenience, but they understand the necessity to have said these these regulations. I mean, we we dealt people. The feeding ban was probably one of the the hardest ones because you have people that a lot of them are non hunters. They just want to see deer in their backyard. Yeah. So I've always fed these deer. I'm going to continue to do it. And I said our job. I mean, we try to warn, warn, warn before you even get to a citation, just for the purpose of educating them. Hey, I know you appreciate you, you want to see the see them, but this is the importance of why we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. So, so you said that what forty to sixty percent. Um, you said a statistic about deer CWD. Yeah, that's how the difference. Right, in, right, in, right. in certain states, yeah. So I can't even remember off the top of my head which state it was, but there was one that kind of took the backseat approach to management, and they're right. just like, you know what, we're gonna let let it take its course, okay. and that's where we really saw that spike. Where I said 40, 50, 60 percent of deer population would have CWD. And what does CWD do to a deer? And then, like, what are the risks to the deer and then to us, if there is any? Sure. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be lethal in deer. Uh, CWD takes a period to actually take effect, about a year and a half. So you're not going to see a fawn out there with CWD. Normally what you're going to see, if if you do see a deer, um, which can get a ton of different diseases, but they will a lot of times be emaciated. You'll see their backbone. You'll see their hip bones. Their head will be down. They may be drooling. They walk around in circles with the head down. You could walk right up to it. It wouldn't even be aware that you are there. That's whenever it fully set in. They're in a bad, bad way at that point where the only thing to do is euthanize them, Um, which I said, unfortunately, there is no really rehabilitation of deer at all other than fawns for certain scenarios. But um, that's the biggest thing, the biggest lookouts for CWD with deer. Um, So in terms of how it affects people. They've done numerous studies with that. It only affects uh, cervid animals, so animals with hooves. So we haven't seen anything to say it's going to affect people. Saying that though, we still provide, uh, you may see these dumpsters in certain areas inside the DMA. So we have one down on Gamelands 82, one over here to our Gamelands building on 50. There's one on 31. Yep, yep 31, the yeah. up at 30. Yep. Um, so all those, if you harvest any deer in the DMA, um, you can take it with tag, throw it in the bin, they'll test it and let you know whether it tests positive or negative. So probably the safe thing to do. I mean, they're, they're doing a pretty good turnaround on those. You're gonna find out usually uh, I know the last I heard the goal was uh, ideally like within a week, um, which is pretty good looking at the, the volume right. that they're actually testing. Right. Yeah. But uh, so what I tell people, if, I mean, if somebody is concerned about by all means, get it tested, wait a week before you eat the meat till you get the results back. If it's good to go, if it would come back positive, um, give us a call and we'll say, issue you another tag. Okay. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but, 
CWD is considered a prion, right? Yes. And doesn't it stay in the environment for 15 years? Yep, it can be a very long time. So that goes back to that like feeding ban. So even if you have a salt block out there, you dump pile corn out, just a deer, like I said, maybe salivating in there, it stays in the soil 15, 20 years, and somebody continues to do that, now you're just bringing generations of deer into the same area right. to continue to to get that. And that's that's one thing that makes it so dangerous is how long it can stay around. Which is crazy, like to have like something like that be able to survive right. through every, like we get some pretty cold weather here. Sure. You'd think like stuff like that, like in ground, like would be like a massive, like, I don't even know how it stays there. It lives. Grows. Yeah. I actually watched, I don't know, do you watch Joe, listen to Joe Rogan at all? I, I have on occasion. Okay. Yep. He actually had a wildlife biologist come on and just speak on CWD. Mm-hmm. And it was really informative. Um, I, I I don't know the biologist's name. I'm sure we could probably find it. We'll link it. If you watch it on YouTube, we'll link that down in the bottom. Um, but it was interesting to see. And he um, has studied CWD for years and years i mean that's what he made his whole career of um now where did cwd start though like where's its origin where did it come from i i can't honestly say where where okay. ground zero is yeah. um i know i said we've been pretty fortunate in pennsylvania for it to be uh, obviously a more grand scheme of things more recent issues um i know it was out west i believe in I said the seventies and stuff like that. So it's, it's CWD has been around for quite some time. We just haven't had it here, how it got here. I have no idea. Um, but where we were first seeing it at is our captive deer. So you have these deer Deer farms farms all over the place. Um, they're not permitted through the game commission. They're not considered wildlife, even though they are deer. It's Hmm. just, it it ends up being like farm um, animals. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is. So, what people don't realize a lot of those deer is they get kind of trade around like maybe even used cars they go from deer farm to deer, deer farm. farm so you have one and that's probably my guess how it happened you have a deer come come from out of state yeah. have it it and you can see how how it does affect other deer there so you have a deer like that on these deer farms they have to euthanize it. they move it out of the pen there's a lot of things that go through the game commission had to get involved with that i mean we've shut these places down that had it they're not allowed to have deer anymore because they test positive different things like that we put a stop to like them sending deer to other farms but only i mean that's that's what happened it never fails you have these and you'll get some escapees and then that's one way how they get spread out to the wild on the landscape unfortunately it makes sense And, and like with livestock you know we quarantine them but you can't quarantine a deer for that and you can't there's nothing to really treat it there's nothing to right and you don't know till it's too late you know correct yeah because like i said they don't show the clinical signs for about a year and a half so you could have that that deer is testing positive the whole time and like i said probably not really even realizing it so. right yeah and you could shoot a somewhat healthy i mean like obviously they might have the disease inside of them but like they could have just um contracted it you could shoot it completely healthy uh, say you send its head away to, um, in one of those boxes, get it back. Oh, it tested possible. Heck, the deer didn't even look sick. You know, right. like, you might not even. That is that's certainly uh, certainly a possibility. Yep, that is that is weird. It's good that know. you know, like you, we don't have to worry about that now. The the um the science the biologist that Joe Rogan had on said that there's only one case where uh, a, a a test rat did contract CWD, and it was basically they put tons of it injected it straight into the into the the rat or mouse whatever it was okay and it was like an extreme 
case. Sure. That it was just like that that animal would never come in contact with that much. Mm-hmm. It was like let's just load it up basically and see, you know, like is is it gonna get it if we put, you know, as much in it as we can, you know. Yeah. I actually heard I heard one other thing like I said along those lines and it was dealing with a monkey. So they just fed this monkey nothing but like C W D contracted. C W D pellets. It did. Like it, <laughs> I don't know ultimately how it affected it, but it did like I said contract yeah. something of that nature. Which obviously a primate like that's gonna be more along the lines of us. So there always there always will be a concern. I never tell anybody luck could tell you absolutely nothing wrong with it yeah but like I said, that's one reason why we try to give everybody the opportunity to get it tested for free that way you have the peace of mind at least right right yeah yep. yep it's always good to get like some knowledge out there i'm um, talking about knowledge too like not to change the subject or anything but i wanted to ask you about like what is the normal day of a game warden so like right now obviously we're not in the hunting season obviously there's probably activities like maybe somebody poaches a deer or something along those lines but like what are you doing now? And then, like, what is your um, day like in hunting season? Sure. So, um, speaking of mouse, there's just one of <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- That's the, it's honestly one of the great things about my job is uh, every day is different, and I have absolutely no idea what my day is going to entail. I may have it planned out, but it can all change. So, we'll say just between today and yesterday. So, yesterday, um, I had to go up to our regional office for a meeting, dealing with uh, some changes that are going to be upcoming from us. I left there, uh, came like Jennerstown area. Yeah, had those uh, had four barn owls that were nested, uh, baby barn owls nested in a silo. So we were able to take them out of there. I was able to put up a box. Um, we banded them. We took a DNA sample, weigh them, and do a wing feather measurement on it. I said that's all over my head. That's for the biologist stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> put them in the box uh, there. I uh, went home. I said got I think forty five minutes off to eat dinner, and then I ran into Somerset for a uh, national night out. If you ever heard of that? Basically, it's a promotion for law enforcement, local law enforcement. So they okay. had a bunch of free pizza for everybody around uh, us, state police, search and rescue, um, all your local municipalities, Jennerstown, Myersdale, with police cars there. Uh, fire company, different things like that, just a meet and greet. So we had a, a nice trailer there, our Operation Game Thief trailer, hand out a bunch of trinkets, stuff like that. Then uh, I said, what did I do? Today I had to take the trailer back up to Ligonier. Uh, had to go down to Confluence to look for a uh, meth lab that was thinking being done on uh, some some more cooperative access property okay. so there's a lot of co-op property is private property that's enrolled through the game commission yeah they we have some to hunting and trapping in return they receive law enforcement from us so especially in these rural counties like that um even state police for somerset there they can be few and far between so confluence being down there at the far edge i spent a lot of time down there just naturally where my job takes me especially whenever law enforcement and hunting and stuff but um Try to look for different things like that, doing investigations, been working on that for a little bit, and then came up, spoke mm. with an individual about some bats in her house and how she can, what she can do to keep them out of there, and uh, then came straight here. So, but I could doing go out. a podcast. Yep. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I, well, <laughs> I actually had to tell her, I'm like, hey, I, I kind of need to go. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm supposed to be on a podcast. She's like, well, go be on your podcast. So. <laughs> 
that's quite day. that's quite a difference of of events from a meeting to looking for a meth lab to not getting on a podcast. Honestly, that that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty typical though. Um, and it's it, like hunting season, so obviously I try to base my shifts. I'm pretty lucky, and we have our job. We have a lot of leniency. I get to make my own schedule for the most part. I get to pick my days off. Okay. Um, so maybe i want to start at 7 a.m tomorrow well you know what maybe i just don't feel like rolling out of bed and i call them up and say you know what i'm gonna start at noon today like i have the ability to do that which is very nice so like my district is my district i run it how i see fit okay. as long as we're getting paperwork done on time and all that kind of stuff they pretty much leave you alone if you're doing your job which is pretty nice yeah that is nice like hunting season so obviously spring gobbler season so i'm gonna usually start my day out pretty early um five six o'clock Go out and do patrol, um, may take a little bit of time off, go home, go off duty, come back out if I have other stuff to do. But um, it can vary. I mean, I can go from picking up a dead deer to maybe a hunting-related shooting instance. Someone gets shot, um, can be fatal, have had, had fatal shootings mm. before. Um, that's what kind of separates us from a lot of the other police department so i compare ourselves to the state police just because they're another state entity um, but a state trooper say they have a homicide uh, they call somebody to come in and collect forensics they call in detectives do that as game warns me we do all that ourselves oh so, really yeah that's, wow. that's if like we i had a every hunting raid shooting incident i had i haven't had any knock on wood lately um i probably had five five or six though um some of them involved uh had one kid shoot his buddy that was calling for him in spring gobbler season in the face from 22 yards away, the 12 gauge Turkey landed in between them and he just got the blinders on and shot, missed the Turkey and hit the collar. Now that's kind of on both ends because the other guy saw this occurring and didn't want to spook the Turkey. So he didn't say anything. Um, that's, that's bad. Yep. I had, um, some of the bad ones whenever I was on field training, I had to go to children's hospital in Pittsburgh and I was there for a father that shot her daughter in the leg with a, uh, maybe a 30, 30. And oh, like I said, it puts a, a big hole in there before I could even leave. I get another call saying, Hey, there's a girl coming in from Somerset County down around Myersdale. Her grandfather shot her, uh, with a shotgun while she was out pheasant hunting. Pheasant came back through the line. He turned, shot down the line, his granddaughter. Jesus. So just a matter of one day, I had two of them hmm. just like that. And that's, that can be some of the, the hardest parts of the job. Cause I mean, you're, you're talking to those individuals and they're, they're the worst place that they've been in their entire yeah. life. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't even have to be somebody you know it uh somebody does that i mean obviously there's there's a level of regret there and some people refuse to pick up a gun again but last year gambling up northern somerset had a pheasant hunter shoot a archery hunters just walking in the woods so i mean that stuff does happen we call them we used to call them accidents yeah hunting hunting related shooting accidents we don't call them accidents anymore because they're really not like it's preventable yeah, um, safety. Yeah, you gotta. You have to. If yeah. you're carrying a gun in the woods and yeah. that kind of stuff, you gotta be safe. Absolutely. Um, self-inflicted ones are probably the most. They they become the most common ones now. You see a lot of like crossbow, like have. Yeah, I was gonna yep. say crossbow. Like there's are danger. Like there's like those foot things where you like pull the bolt. Like uh-huh. I see. I can see a lot of guys. Like yep. I've heard of people shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I've had people uh, impale themselves with arrows before they're trying to walk or run with a knocked arrow on a compound bow. Jeez. Um, we have every year we have people shoot themselves in the foot with a crossbow 
Um, so does the ambulance come out with you, or do you go out first, then the ambulance comes? Or? Well, it all it all depends. So I can tell you right now, usually you're related in a hunting related shooting incident. Your first your first thought's not to call the game. Yeah, it's nine one one. It's nine one one. So sometimes we find out about it after the fact. Oh, okay. Um, it could be. I said a lot of times if I get to the scene, the person's already in the hospital. My first stop may be the hospital. Yeah. yeah. Then I have to backtrack and kind of go to the scene, go with somebody maybe the not the victim, but maybe the offender, the person that shot him, something like that, try to do our investigation from there. But, I mean, we do all our own forensics collection. Um, I don't I don't call anybody to go do interviews for me. Uh, I almost, almost feel like, I mean, we almost have to be like the jack of all trades. So yeah. We talk to people about their nuisance wildlife issues. Yep. Like I said, just like how to keep bats out of your house to <laughs> what we're going to do about crop damage um, to the sick raccoon that's running around the house to like i said there's hunting really shooting instance to yeah. drugs to whatever i mean uh that's why i mean our trucks are kind of our mobile command center we have to be have to have everything in there ready to go for literally anything so yeah yeah i don't think you know people really realize i mean i think when people think of the game commission they don't think about you having to go out and deal with all, all the different stuff and um i mean that would just be people don't i don't really think about the hunting related yeah yeah and like people don't also like the game where like oh they're just trying to pinch you about this Uh this this like right now we're talking the one on the on our podcast like it's like it's you gotta um do everything legal talk to them get to know everybody um do everything the best that you can um i just want to like there's a reason we're doing this like show people um what you guys do and like not like I feel like you guys do get a bad rap about like pinching people yeah. about stuff. Like, I yeah. think that's true. I think you, you guys yeah, absolutely. do. Absolutely. I I have no problem with game wars. I've talked nope. to um, uh, Weather right. Um, he was there actually the day I shot my bear. Okay. Yeah, he was actually he was coming up the road and we were there getting a picture with it and everything. Yeah. And um, he stopped in and everything. I have if as long as you're doing everything safe and legal. Um, there's nothing you shouldn't have to worry about anything that's the biggest thing I mean we understand like I said mistakes can be made some of the minor stuff use that as like I said educational purposes some people may not understand why they may be getting a citation for something where mm-hmm. they don't feel that it's all that important but maybe I do um, usually if it is especially safety related um, yeah. that's that's gonna be one of my biggest ones just because they haven't they don't know everything that has gone on I've seen somebody shot because maybe they weren't wearing their orange and they were misidentified for something else. Yep. People may, well, I just forgot my orange hat. It's not a big deal. Well, like I said, could it can be, be. Yeah. In, in a worst case scenario. So a hundred dollar citation is a lot better than a trip to the emergency room, room or dead. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. talking about like, um, the shooting related incidents. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever been in like the situation of like, I'm not sure are you guys like allowed to like knock on people's doors. Like, um, say there's somebody that you know has been poaching or you guys are like, I don't know, you guys call it like a warrant or like um, go to their house, like knock on the door, like if they don't come out, like bust the door open. Are you guys allowed to do that kind of stuff? Uh, so, well, I mean, there's, I always hear about the misconception of uh, game wardens have more power than the state police. Yeah, I've heard like that, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that's, that's exactly what it is, a misconception. Um, we don't have any more power than the state police. Everybody still has their constitutional yeah, rights. Yep. I can't just open up your door and walk into your house to look in your freezer to see if there's deer meat in there. Some people believe that, um, but that's not the case. So we, I mean, we handle everything just like a regular investigation. If I suspect somebody poaching, I'm going to go, whether they're at home, I'm going to knock on the door, have a interview with them, depending on what kind of evidence I have that may include getting a warrant, coming back from the search warrant, going through a house, going through freezers, um, 
tree stands, property, uh, trail cameras, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, I mean, we do arrest warrants too. So, so we have people that are cited. A lot of people we deal with, um, you come, they may have an arrest warrant while you're out in the field. So that's another thing. I don't have a cruiser. You see what I pulled up in a uh, Chevy truck. Yep. So whenever I arrest people and take them to jail, they sit right up front with me. Oh, man. Handcuff them, I put seatbelt on them, and off we go. And bad people still hunt, too. It's not like, you know, they're oh, absolutely. just out doing bad things I mean, all the time. People look at the stuff I wear. I mean, right now I'm wearing body armor. I have all kinds of stuff on me, and that's you not, never know. It's not people, for the wildlife. It's that's, that's for the people, people aspect. Yep. Yeah. Um, we have to appreciate that I typically work 95, if not more, percent of the time by myself. And we're out there at night a lot of times, and there is no backup. So I depend on just being able to talk to people, um, just using common sense. But I mean, I've certainly been in some some uh, scary situations. I've had yeah. people pull guns on me. I've, yeah. like I said, never, never fortunately had to use it or anything like that. But um, whether it's drugs and poaching, I mean, I've been in numerous pursuits. Um, just last year, I was in two foot pursuits. Uh, but like I said, never. It's always something different. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Have you ever tased job. anyone? I'm not I'm actually. Oh, I I have, but not <laughs> not in that. I'm a taser instructor for the game commission, so <laughs> okay. I get to tase. Oh, okay. I get to tase a lot of people. He wanted to I see don't. if you tase him. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I can get you to sign a form. We might be able to make that happen. <laughs> actually, I'm doing training here in a couple of weeks. I need a, I need a volunteer. There you go. I, I take pain pretty well. I come out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's long, longest five seconds of your life. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> probably ride the lightning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you, can you pull people over for traffic stops? So, um, obviously, I mean, our vehicles are outfitted with red and blue light sirens, just like a regular police oh, okay. uh, vehicle. Uh, I'm not going to pull somebody over for running a stop sign or <laughs> I said something like that. We, so title 75 covers the vehicle code. Um, I don't have the power to pull people over for summary offenses. So misdemeanor felonies, if it's reckless endangerment, DUI, stuff like that, we will enforce. Hmm. That's cool. So we're not, I mean, we're not going out looking for. No, you're, no, you're good. good. We can cut it out. <laughs> we can, we can go through and. We can edit it. We're yep. good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're, like I said, we're not going out there looking for DUIs. We're not looking for, like I said, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. it's just going to happen. Our travels, we come across that. People out there doing stuff, whether it's during the day, during the night. I mean, we come across, a lot of times they're making poor decisions out there about shooting a deer in the spotlight there's usually alcohol involved there so have you ever come across that, that? like i've had people in the shoot act? right in front of us wow yeah. so hmm. that's honestly with our job there's nothing that gets your heart rate going much more than like i said somebody shooting a deer in, yeah. in front of you so yeah 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 because you know they have a firearm firearms being used you yep. know and that's majority the majority of people that we deal with have i mean think about you're out in the woods you have guns, you have knives. Um, that's just something we commonly deal with. I think as game wardens, we tend to handle that a little bit differently than maybe our police officers. Just because, mm -hmm. not saying that we're used to it, but or, that you're they're out there with that. Correct. Like, we already. we understand because we we yeah. also hunt and stuff yeah. like that. So I mean, you're you're looking at the person mm -hmm. necessarily. I mean, judging it off of them. Um, like I said, we did have a uh, a game warden killed uh, not too long ago. Mm. Had a spotting or. A, Poaching incident, pulled him over. Guy had a warrant out, and he, like I said, unfortunately, whenever he's trying to handcuff him, he shot and killed him. So yeah, all over man. because he didn't want to go to jail. Yeah, that's sad. Like that's the thing with like police officers too. You never know what's like. People get upset about like these incidents with police officers, 
do you want to knock on somebody's window that you yeah. have no clue who it is? Absolutely. The, I want it. And like I said, we work we work with our, our police quite a bit. Yeah. So state police, they'll call me for different things. I remember last fall, um, I was sitting at home. It was during, uh, it was dur- I think it was during hunting season because we had cadets out. Um, but they gave me a call, said, hey, uh, we have troopers pinned down in Salisbury. So not knowing anything, get my truck. That's all you got. 100 miles an hour down, <laughs> 219 and get there. Um, they're... They weren't actually like pinned down, but it was a, a barricade individual um, that was dangerous, and we thought had um, had some people inside that didn't want to be in there. Yeah. So basically, like a hostage situation. So uh, I mean, even with all the resources state police have, I went down. Brian Witherite went down. He had a cadet, a game warden that was working with a cadet from Cambria County. Is there my biggest boss, the regional director for the Southwest Region, came over because he was out. Um, at the end of the day, we had more we had more game wardens there than we did trooper for the first probably two hours. And we provided security around the whole camper for the entire time. That was from like 10 o'clock at night until I think we got relieved basically six, six in the morning. Till, they had to call the big guns in. Oh, yeah. cert team. <laughs> yeah. We uh, took the do- whole door off the camper. Um, wow. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was just one of those dangerous situations. So like they, those guys came in and yeah. did their jobs. I so. guess you never know what you're going to do. Like I, I at the farm, like every day is different, but I mean, there's some dangerous things, but it's not like that. Like yeah. our days are different. Your guys' days can be completely different and super yeah. dangerous. Sure. And it can go from being something pretty boring to, like I said, just handling whatever. Yeah. Road kill calls to whatever complaint here. Maybe there's not much going on. I mean, Southern Somerset, my calls are not anywhere close to what they were whenever I covered like part of Westmoreland, Fayette County more population southern somerset doesn't have big pop bigger population yeah. lawyer nuisance complaints your sick raccoon well i don't get calls about that that typically gets handled like i said by the person yeah. on the farm yeah. or wherever right. they're at yeah. so like i said i learned to appreciate that we have a lot of amish in southern somerset yep. so that's that's a different part of my job versus maybe an officer in a different part of the yeah, state in the big so, cities yep. yeah yeah i see a lot of officers up in the state college area because i i travel 99 for school a lot okay and it seems like every time i go through between penn state and belfont i see like coming my way or going up or down like all the time i always see an officer and i'm like i don't know if maybe there's more up there or well or we we have well a lot of times we have meetings up at state colleges because oh, okay. state college is like the middle part of the state okay. so anything statewide that well our, our headquarters is in harrisburg oh, okay but like anytime we have meetings where it's like everybody coming in a lot of times we go to, to state sense. college yeah. um, i can't i don't know exactly where their regional office is um up there but like if you're going to travel around looking here you'd see a ton of game wardens just because Everybody in the southwest region, Beaver County, Allegheny, Green, all the way over here to Somerset, Cambria, we all go to Ligonier oh, wow. as a as a regional officer, six regions in the state. So you go there, like you're guaranteed that you're gonna be seeing a game more and passing yeah. you at some point in the day. So you guys are probably a pretty tight knit community then, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean we obviously train together. Um what we do, we try to get involved even outside of work. So um we try to organize whatever we go up to one of the guys camps up north uh, for golf, maybe for a couple of days. Um, we have a lot of times region meetings where we get together for a couple of days. You go learn, like I said, get some training on stuff. Then you may go and like I said, golf or shoe clay pigeons, different things mm. like that. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how many hours does it? Do you personally, in the average game, um, warden work a week? So it, it, it all varies. It, it depends on other calls that are coming in. So. It depends on, frankly, the time of year. So I'll say 
springtime, summer. I may not work as much as I do in the fall, but it's in terms of overtime and whatnot. I mean, typically we're going to work 40 hours. So I'm required to work five days a week, at least five hours a day. I can split that up however I want to. So I work 10 hours, 10 hours, maybe the next day I only work five hours. Like I can have the ability to change that around. But in the fall, I mean, we have a bank of overtime that we can use. So we want to obviously put ourselves out there whenever we're going to be encountering violations and try to keep an eye on stuff. So yeah, especially with cadets, I get even more overtime because we're trying to get them as much experience as possible. So the way our training school set up, they go through a couple months of training. They come out in hunting season. They go three different officers all over the state for a period of 10 weeks total. They go back to the training school before they graduate and then they graduate and they get assigned district and they're on their own. Hmm. So they get some, a little bit of supervision, but that 10 week period during hunting season is huge. So I try to get them involved as much as possible. Right. So yeah. we'll work even, I mean, I always work a lot in the fall, but I'm going to work probably even more just to, like I said, for that exposure. And so is that part of the, um, the, um, the program or, like their their academy, like yeah, their training. yeah, for the academy. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So I, I have the same thing. You st- I started in March, went from March to the first day of archery season. They send me a list saying, okay, first four weeks you're going to this officer in this county. The next three weeks you're going to a different officer in this county, and then the last one you're doing over here. And it, hmm. it can be all over the state. Hmm. Um, I actually uh, I did my first session in Pittsburgh, and then I was out in. Uh, like Sealands Grove, and then around oh, okay. uh, the Harrisburg area for my other two sessions. Yeah, Sealands Grove is not too far from Williamsport. That's where I go to school at. Okay, I go to Penn College. Yep, so, so right down the road. Yeah, so they they look at it as trying to get you exposure to different things. So me being from Somerset, I'm not used to uh, it's a heavy populated area. So that's probably one reason why they're like, okay, he's going to Pittsburgh, which there's a ton of hunting that goes on in even in the city. Yeah, is there a lot of suburban lots. hunting? Absolutely. Yeah, you get a small patch of woods. Like we take for granted, I, I, I mean, a patch of woods, maybe five acres. Like I said, you may have that all to yourself, most likely have that all to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you go out there and have a two acre patch and you may have 10 tree stands in it. Mm-hmm. There's Holy people, sucks. it can be people within 30 yards of each other. They don't know each other. They may be facing opposite right, directions, right. but um, there's a ton of big deer out there. Yeah. Uh, and it's, people try to take advantage of me and they want to try to track that deer to this little patch of woods. Right. Versus, but I mean, a lot of it's just hunting right out back of the house. It's yeah. a little. Yeah. I find that really interesting because there's a YouTuber called Seek One. I don't know if you've ever heard of one, heard of them. I have not. They're from Atlanta, Georgia, and they've really, um, I think they ramped. I think they were they the have, pioneers. Yeah. Like maybe not. I mean, other people suburban hunted before that, obviously. But I think they opened it up to like I didn't know about suburban yeah. hunting until I watched them, and they kill like 180, 200 inch deer That's like every year, deer. every yeah. year. The biggest thing is access in those oh, yeah. areas. Like I said, if you have the place to do it at, you're you're set. Yeah. But. Their big thing is they'll go through and they'll knock on an entire neighborhood's doors every morning, and, and they just every person they just they just hit up and. A lot, great a lot of people there, yeah, they, they get, like I said, a lot of the complaints coming from those suburban areas end up being um, deer eat my flowers, different things like that. And there's not a whole lot for them to do. It can even be with turkeys. Uh, turkeys around Pittsburgh tend to be really I aggressive. Saw, I saw a lot of that, like even on the news, yeah. it gets news, <laughs> like yeah. a turkey t- chasing Chase somebody down. Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they get used to being fed, then they expect it, and yeah. they just they become really aggressive. Yeah. So, so on a personal note, uh, what um, you said? Did you have luck this past turkey season hunting? 
I did. I ended up getting one at the towards the very end. Oh, okay. So, cool. It was it was it was tough this year. Um, I had no issues with with hearing birds, but I just uh, last year I actually didn't get one. I saw saw more gobblers and heard more gobblers. I know last year than I ever have, and uh, I just get messed up by hens. I'd have one coming in, hen would come in right in between. I had that happen a couple times this year, but uh, yeah, waited till the very end. I'm I like to get mine early if I can, right. but. The last two years, I've killed one on the first day, and then I always killed the second one towards the end. Yeah, that's I, a good way to do it. You yeah. still get all that hunting in, yeah. and like I said, enjoying it. But I killed my first one um, in the evening this year, actually, um, in the second half of the season, obviously. Yep. Um, and that was cool. I've never shot a bird in the evening. I've always wanted to try it. It was sweet. Same never... way. I got I got mine in the evening. It was cool. First time I ever did. Cause I, I always, I mean, it's to each their own. Um, like one of my coworkers, Sean Barron, he's a huge uh, – uh, turkey hunter he goes different states and stuff hunting. yeah um me like i said i like it i'm not necessarily like if i'm gonna book my hunting trip of choice it's probably not gonna be for turkeys yeah. i don't want to go like i said for elk or mule deer or something like mm-hmm. that but teacher and he he hunts like i said all time of the day i, I just if i never got mine like i said by eight thirty in the morning, I always felt like okay, I'm I'm done. I did the, I do the same thing. Like usually just, it's in the morning. Exactly. Before Mine's first thing. I set up. Like I said you hear them off the roost. Calm down. That just that was always my luck. But yeah, this is the first year I got one in the evening. Yeah, usually I'm busy like with the farm work, like planting Absolutely. and stuff. And there was like it rained, and we had like the afternoon. Like I wasn't busy. And I was like, you know what? I still have a second tag. I wasn't even worried about shooting the second one. I already got my first one. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna get out and try it. And I um. I knew this patch of woods, there was a lot of gobblers. So I went down there and I started calling and two lit up, come out into the field, a bunch of hens and stuff. And they come right up to me. And I shot the one. I was, I was cool. And then oh, the sun awesome. was starting to set, you know, <laughs> get cool pictures. Can't beat stuff. that. Yeah, no. It's so then, uh, did you get a buck last year? I did. Yep. I, uh, I got you a, had a good year then. I did. Yeah. Like I said, that's people think just cause you're gay more and you don't get yeah. out hunt. I mean, I had cadets last year too. Um, that was, I, I think I was off a, whatever wednesday night or something like that um i think i ran out after work told my dad um i said i tend to hunt the same general area so deer just i mean they they never really seem to change up there um and i actually saw i saw a couple bucks that night but had a had a nice eight point come out and present himself and make a good shot nice i was over with uh first day I hunt, uh, that was the first evening i hunt i got that right (laughs) beginning of the season that's nice i mean (laughs) yeah makes it nice yeah are you a Hoyt or Matthews guy? Uh, I have a Hoyt. Oh, I said, I'm not. I, I, I think, I think you, you talked with Scott about this. So yeah. like, I can't say I, I'm not huge on bows. The reason I have a Hoyt, honestly, is because I want it. Um, I the bow, the bow I started off with. I think whenever I was uh, wait till I was probably 14 or 15 to start archery hunting, but it was probably 30 years old back then. It was just an old, uh, old compound and uh, hardly any lead off at all. And I killed <laughs> numerous deer with that. And then whenever I moved to Montana, I bought a bow out there, um, nothing special, but I came back and went to one of these bow bashes up around Johnstown, and I said, want a Hoyt? And I was like, well, I might as well just keep this one and use it. So, yep. um, like I said, I've been pretty fortunate. I've, I haven't had any issues. Like I said, normally it does a job. I don't have to practice too much, but I, I said, whatever I shoot at, I hit yeah. and kill. Yeah, and yeah that's, that's good. That's the main thing. That's all right, I can right, ask for. Right. I don't get carried away, though, so I see a lot yeah. of people, especially with crossbows, they may be trying to reach out further than what they should. Yeah. And um, honestly, I've been very fortunate. This this deer I just shot was the farthest I've ever had to kill one. It was 20 yards. Oh, Killed wow. the majority of my deer with a bow. Um, 
I said all bucks within within ten yards. Well, that's so, cool. That's impressive. That too. is. I that mean, is. It's good. tough to get in on a deer like that consistently and get within ten yards of them, especially like a white tail buck. I, I think. I think I'm, I, I have a little bit of luck though too. Whenever whenever I was younger, I know uh, I said when I first I said sixteen able to hunt by myself. I had two years back to back where dad put me up in a tree. I said I'm use my climber get up there. I remember the first year I had a deer come in and. Uh, it was well, the first year I ever killed with a bow, but I shot, I think I just put, like I said, got so nervous, put all my sights on the deer and he was close. He's 10 yards, shot right over his back. The arrow stuck into a tree. I could just hear it vibrating. <laughs> I turned, looked at it, looked up at me for a little while and then just continued feeding, walked right underneath my tree. I shot him at three yards on a second wow. shot. Oh my. <laughs> very next year, very same tree, had a buck come out and I actually, I grazed him right over the back, did the same thing. I shot high. I grazed him over the back and he actually walked directly underneath my stand. I looked down where I could see where I actually cut the fur. I said, didn't cut the muscle, just cut the fur. And he did the same exact thing. I shot him like five yards from behind. He let me re-knock and shoot. My dad's wow. like, I've hunted for 50 years. I've never had that opportunity. Yeah, you for did real. It twice. Did twice. That, now, is, that is crazy. I think that was kind of beginner's luck because fortunately I never had to do that again. Yeah, I said, yeah. make, make my shots count. After was it in the same tree stand? It was same same exact tree I climbed up. I, do you still have the stand in that tree or a stand in that no, tree? No, I, I always use a climber. I, I, oh, I like my climber. I'd be so climbing up around, that tree but... every time. There's <laughs> they, gotta be something lucky they there. Cut it, they cut it down and made a food pot out of it. Oh, I would have okay. made a table or something out of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's lucky. I've never heck I can't even like I, I swear to God, like there'll be like that old dough. Like you'll move your eyes. Like I'm like holding like and I'll move my eyes to like look at something else and she's like what? Yeah. I don't have that kind of luck. Yeah, it's I I I, I do. I chalk some of that up to certainly luck because I'm not one where I, I don't go out. I'm not buying this expensive camo and, yeah. and getting the top line stuff. I I believe in scent control and wind and different things like that. Yep. But I can't say it plays a huge part in my game. I mean, I, I go archery hunt, especially I'll spray down with some kind of cover scent. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, I used to always wear pants from my BDUs from the military with some mismatched jacket or whatever, a long sleeve t-shirt, and it, it never really bothered me. So as long as you play the wind, I feel like I don't need, I don't use any sort of scent control at all. I sure. just play the wind. That's all I do. Yep. And I've had, I mean, I've 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 only shot one deer with my bow so far, but even like sitting, like I've had deer walk um right beside me all the time and never uh, oh, yeah. catch my scent or anything when you think about how it used to be done it was blue jeans a like i said wool rich coats and flannel stuff. smoking a cigarette yeah uh-huh. so, start a campfire and sit there and yep. see one walk by and shoot it yeah my pap can remember he said all those guys they used to come over and hunt all the old timers and they'd have their red wool rich uh, suits on like and we hunt today we're full camoed up up in a tree like stealthy and they're out there in full Absolutely. red just walking around yeah yeah yeah, I had one deer two years ago, three years ago. He was coming in 50 yards, and I <clears throat> had the release in my hand. I had to drop my hand out to put the, get the release. The, it was an index release in my mm-hmm. hand, and he saw that, and he just blew, turned around, and took off. <laughs> and I'm like, are you serious? Like, like, how did you even, like, he wasn't even looking my way. That was the thing. I was over here, and he was looking up the trail, and that trail kind of angles this way. But just that slight little movement, that white, must yep. have just instantly triggered him. He didn't like it, and he took off, and he didn't quit running either. <laughs> I mean, he ran straight up over the hill and off the back. I'm like, oh, man. It's amazing how that works sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Hunting's yeah. fun, though. It's the ups and downs that make – Yeah, it's absolutely. The, it's all the um, parts where you're frustrated it makes the success that much more sweet and stuff. Yep, that's why it's called hunting and not shooting. That's yep. right. That's 100% Someone asked true. me, I had the Farmland Hunter T-shirt on, and they're like – 
What do you mean you're called the farmland hunter? You, you didn't, did you even kill a turkey yet? I said, I don't do a lot of killing, but I do a lot of hunting. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I was like, I was killing stuff. I'd be the farmland killer, but I'm not. <laughs> Some of the best days in the woods don't involve killing anything. Exactly. Yes, yep. yeah. I've had more fun days in the woods watching deer and stuff without shooting anything than I have with yeah. whenever I did kill stuff. That's, that's the, that's the big thing. I never had the opportunity to shoot, um, really anything on opening day Mm -hmm. and i always look at the end of the season and think like if i would have shot my buck opening day or even the first week archery season how much experience and how much knowledge i would have missed out on throughout the entire season and having to work to get to the deer and you know like the more work you put in the more it's rewarding i feel like if you go out on opening day i mean yeah you shoot a buck and you're you're excited but i just feel like you know there's not as much behind it as when you hunt all season and you know, you have the hard knocks and, you know, just stuff happens. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes it sweet, bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I mean, I, I shot one the first morning when I was 12. <laughs> first time I ever go out. He so. was pretty still. You were probably still happy, yeah. <laughs> but, well, that, that morning, actually, you finally bring that up because that, that's kind of one thing that always stuck in my mind, too, how I got into this job. So I left my cabin. We're driving. still dark out. I mean, it's first thing in the morning going over to our hunting spot. And uh, 100 yards from my cabin, I see probably the biggest buck still this day I've ever seen. Wow. Just runs right across the road in front of us. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, that's I mean, that's pretty cool. Obviously, I've been been out there, been around deer, but this is the first day of actually hunting. You're just going to your spot. I'm like, I hope I shoot him. Are you yeah. kidding me? This thing is, is huge. It ended up being like a 13-point, like 23-inch spread. I mean, it was wow. just massive. That's <laughs> and the reason that stuck with me was because I, I actually went over. I shot this little basket rack six-point first thing in the morning with my rifle. I mean, couldn't be happier. But but yeah, that deer was later shot uh, down the road out of a camp at four thirty in the or five thirty in the morning with a light off of corn oh. feeder. Oh my! So you lose. I say the deer doesn't get its respect. All the people that actually put the time in. I say got thrown in the back of a truck and taken out of there as quick as possible. So like I said between that and then once when I was in Montana, uh, I was hunting an area that's archery only. Uh, it's kind of like my little honey hole. I never had any anybody there. It's just a small patch of woods in between a river and a field. And uh, it was a great spot. Muleys and whitetail would all mm. come there. I'd take, a, I said, a stand go. But uh, I had, there's a younger kid and an uncle that were hunting there one day. I didn't know. I'm just walking back into my stand. And I'm, I'm wearing my fluorescent orange. And the kid, I see him. He's probably about 25, 30 yards away. He looks at me. And he, I just saw him raise his rifle. And he shot shot at me with his 30-30. I just I hit the deck. And then his uncle saw movement. And he was using a shotgun with slugs. And he shot at me. Because wow. they both he thought i was a deer so that was that i mean that's pretty eye-opening and obviously stuff like that should not happen whether you're wearing fluorescent orange or not yeah uh, i mean you have to obviously identify your target so just stuff like that i mean that's a big part of our job too you get into the we run the hunter education uh class so teaching about the firearm safety and all that kind of stuff to i said help prevent that but are you guys still doing that in person now is that going back in person or is it still online it's both. So oh, the okay. online's not going away. People can go online, take their hunter and trapper education class, even if they are 11. That is a requirement. You do have to be 11 years old yep. to take the class, but we still are holding in-person classes. Um, I always tell people, I mean, it's, it's, if you can take it in person, I would suggest. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. The, 
the classes certainly have changed over the years. Whenever I did it, it was at a local sportsman's club, just like they are now, but it was a two-day class. I even shot live firearms. Um, unfortunately, just manpower and even our volunteers that we have to use, the hunter ed instructors, do a fantastic job. We just don't have the manpower to, to yeah. do that. Yep. So it, it's an eight-hour eight hour class, six to eight hours. Um, we go cover a lot of that safety stuff, but I just – I was supposed to have one out at Skull Run Gun Club on Saturday, and I actually had to cancel it because I only got 10 people that registered for the class. So fortunately, we had another one just down the road here um, off Garrett Shortcut, so I was able to send them there. But hmm. uh, I've seen a little bit of a decline that, and probably because they can do it online. Yeah. 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 I went to the old Berlin VFW. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Me too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, then I that same summer before I went out that fall deer hunting, I went over to the uh, Maple Leaf Rod and Gun Club mm-hmm. for the youth field day. Okay. Shot a shotgun at some clay pigeons. Uh, yeah. Shot a flintlock and that kind of stuff. So that helps. And then I shot my first little buck on opening morning. Good deal. <laughs> that helps get you hooked. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. But I had to struggle for all all of my deer I've ever shot. I was thirteen. I was fourteen when I shot my first buck with a rifle and then with a bow. It last year was the first year I got one with a bow. And it took me four years with a bow then to finally mm-hmm. get one with a bow. It's, But, you know, like, it, it's all what gets us hooked and keeps us in the woods and keep, yeah, absolutely. keep going out. Everybody gets passionate. Like I said, usually about a couple things in particular. Like I said, for me, it was it's spring auburn season. I just I love archery season. Usually it's a little bit slower for me, easier to get out, but nicer weather, yep. get more up close and personal yeah. with it. Um that's the biggest thing. I'm not, not a huge fan of sitting in a tree stand freezing my butt off. <laughs> uh, so what do you do in your personal time outside of being a game warden and, and hunting? So I, I think, I mean, me and Gerald, but a lot of game wardens, I mean, we got in this job because we like the outdoors. So I still go out. I go out to the game lands, live close to game lands, 50 here in Somerset. So I'll go hike. Um, I do a lot of, a lot of fishing. I like to trout fish in the spring. Um I said between fishing and golfing, I golf quite a bit. So uh, I like to be outside getting ready to go up here in a couple of weeks to Erie to uh, see if we can get some walleye. Oh, so, nice. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun. always nice to get away and do something a little bit different. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's your handicap? Uh, I'm currently an 11. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that good. but uh, I'm not that bad. Has, has, has come down, so I have improved over, yeah. over the past couple of years. I'm so. not a golfer, so what does that mean? <laughs> Just like... Yeah, I don't know. You probably even know better than I do. The uh, handicap is basically the average number of strokes over par that you would shoot. So, oh, okay. So you're like 11 over par right yep. now on a 18 hole course. That's actually Correct. not. That's, that's not bad at all. Way better than I would be. I can yeah. tell you that much. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably one of the most frustrating things I've ever done is golf. So yeah. play well for a hole, and then it just all goes to hell. So it's like <laughs> yeah. you have those shots throughout your round that like keep you back. You're like man, if I could just hit that one just like that every time, yeah. you know? You ever it's break like a club? No, I have. I usually can keep my temper pretty good there. But <laughs> Happy every, Gilmore. Every once in a while, you have a good shot, and that keeps you hooked. I'm like, okay, well, I can hit a decent golf ball. Then so you, you slice one. Yeah, keep on coming <laughs> back. So. Well, that's yeah, good. yeah. Golf is really frustrating. It seems like no matter how much, I mean, obviously golfing more, well, you'll get better at it. But it just seems like just to be like, you know, if you work at something long enough, a lot of things, you can really be good at it. But golf is just one of those things like you could spend every day golfing and that's your life. And I just feel like I just feel like you could never get up to what a 
what a pro is. Absolutely. I think it's a, the biggest difference between a pro and an amateur athlete is uh, is probably golf. I yeah. see they're unreal what they do. So. Yeah. yeah, golf is crazy. I, I, you see them videos like where they like skip it across the water uh-huh. and it curves around and goes in the hole and you're like, they were like 70 yards away. How do they? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't play golf, but like once or twice a year, I have no idea. But Right. Yep. What's the best course you've been to or your most iconic golf trip? Or? Oh, um, I go down to Virginia every year. A um, bunch of guys from the Somerset area here, we go down there. Um, I'm trying to think what the nicest one would be. Play a couple down there. Oh, for around here, um, Sunny Hannah was, like I said, a nice golf course. Um, we talked about uh, Old Stonewall. I like that yeah, out there. That was, really cool. that, was a, that was a pretty good course. But uh, I, I don't go around. Like I said I'm not I'm not good enough to play all these yeah, fancy ones yeah. like <laughs> Laurel Valley, like Laurel and all these kind oh, of places. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe someday. So. Do you, uh, as a as a game uh, warden, can you like go check out the Highlands course, like peek around, and be like, oh, that's what it looks like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like. I mean, we actually do work with golf courses um, as game wardens. So Somerset Country Club, I belong there. We always have a goose problem there. So uh, you have geese that will have crap everywhere. They'll tear up greens and stuff. Hmm. Um, I dealt with Donegal Highlands Golf Course uh, issue with a fox that uh, kind of tore out a green, made a den in there over the winter. <laughs> um, beavers that uh, had beavers that flooded nearby stream was like i said flooding up over a hole so yeah actually the golf courses we wouldn't really think about but we uh, tend to work with them quite a bit yeah, on some yeah, of their problems that's cool. so yep well i want to thank you for coming on here today yeah, i appreciate you guys having me yeah yeah it's good maybe like some people get to hear what you do and get a better understanding for what you guys have and yeah, um, I just want to thank you for for what you do. I we both really yeah, appreciate yep. it and oh, all the I appreciate first that. responders and everything like Somebody's that. Somebody's got to keep everyone in check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so. I, I hope people get a better respect for for what you do and realize that you're not just out picking up raccoons and you know you wear multiple hats and absolutely um, and i i always encourage people to come up and talk to us which most people are pretty good about that where i'm at the gas pump or wherever they see me out and about i mean it's always nice whenever someone comes up and they may ask for advice like hey looking for a place to hunt like bear hunting especially i'll tell you exactly where i'm yeah. seeing bears <laughs> i mean especially you're dealing with game lands and stuff like that i mean who who knows the game lands better than game warden spends right, a lot of time right. that's there. right so yep. i want to see people be successful um i love that that's my favorite thing it feels not going out and i mean it's nice whenever you get somebody that may be doing some a big poaching incident or something like that you can finally catch somebody but i love seeing going out and seeing a successful hunter um i've countless times come across somebody maybe shot bear dragging out of the game lands i'll throw it on the deer rack and take it to the truck for them help them drag the uh deer out so uh all that stuff is is pretty rewarding that's really cool yeah, yeah that's nice yep well alrighty. well thank you very much yep, thank I really you guys. thank yep. you coming on and uh i will get off here uh thank you everyone for listening yep, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it yep we'll talk to you later two hours